Oh, bless the Lord. Good morning. Hey, we are wrapping up our series on Living Inspire today, uh, but we are not wrapping the theme up. It's something that we want to try to keep an eye on all year. Uh, but what, what we get to today really uh, pulls it all together. And in fact, really, everything we've been talking about really comes out of what we're going to get into this morning. And you know, as we uh, heard the uh, bittersweet news, right, of Marie going home to glory, you know, it's bitter for us, it's sweet for her. Uh, but I think of uh, living inspired and, uh, and uh, she's just a picture of that. You know, uh, in her volunteering at the church office, uh, it, it, there would be, it would be a regular occurrence of her not hanging up that telephone without saying, and by the way, have you met the Lord? Or if that happened during the conversation to share Christ and, and just live a, a God-breathed life. So um, just, just sweet in my spirit to be able to talk uh, on this topic. Uh, the, the message today is called God-breathed. And of course, as we've been talking about living an inspired life, uh, we, we know, we read it in scripture, uh, to, to live inspired is not just the, the one side of the coin, which is to uh, create motivation and uh, help others be stirred up, but really the, the more foundational picture that we're looking at, uh, like it says uh, in Timothy about all scripture is inspired. In other English translations, it says all scripture is God-breathed. So we're using those words uh, interchangeably. Just to start, I want to pull together what we've been speaking about over the last several weeks. And then, like I said, it's going to really funnel down into this, this key thought of uh, living God-breathed. We started off saying uh, that we needed to talk about vision and how important vision was. That was uh, on New Year's Eve. So uh, for over a year now, we've been on this sermon uh, series, Time to Change Subjects, right? No, actually, just, just a couple of, couple of weeks. This is week number nine, but we started at the very end of last year. And we said that living inspired flows from a vision. We said that, you know, the idea of stewarding our vision will allow us to, or stewarding uh, this God-breathed life will allow us to maximize all that God wants to do in us and through us. And of course, we know the scripture that we've kind of made our, our, our focus for the year uh, comes from Ephesians talking about how God will do exceedingly abundantly above all that we could ask or think. And so we want to maximize that. If he wants to do more than we can get our minds, our hearts around, then, then we just want to just keep leaning into him all that we can. Uh, we said that living inspired is going to be anchored in purpose. Because if we don't realize that we have purpose in every season of life and uh, we don't understand that purpose, then we're going to be, you know, like that double-minded man in Scripture that's just talked, tossed back and forth by circumstances. And we said that living inspired is stoked in the right environment and how important it is to be mindful of the environment that we live in. And many of the, the topics that we looked at over these last several weeks got into uh, the environment and the culture that we're uh, looking to be purposeful with here at Grace and Peace. And we've even said that these are things that would be of great value to us to not just look at uh, for the church, but to look at for our homes and for every sphere of influence and every sphere of relationships that we have. 
right? To live a life of honor toward God and toward each other. How many of you know that's going to bless a home? That's going to bless a workplace? That's going to bless our friendships and, and relationships? Uh, excellence, servanthood, uh, being mindful of our attitude, having the right attitude, being uh, uh, understanding that God wants us to keep growing and having a, a growth uh, orientation and then uh, to be accountable with our lives as well. Uh, so living inspired is stoked in the right environment. Then of course what we get to here today uh, is that living inspired is birthed in encounter, encounter with God. We had two verses that we looked at when we first introduced this. Acts 4.13 it says, When they saw the courage of Peter and John, they realized they were unschooled, ordinary men. They were astonished and they took note that these men had been with Jesus. Daniel 11, uh, verse 32, the second half of that verse, it says uh, that those who know their God uh, will carry out great exploits those that know their God. So we pull this all together on this important idea of us living out of encounter with God, which means we are going to live a life that's God-breathed. So we're going to look at John chapter 15. For many of us, this might be familiar, maybe for some it's new, but this portion of scripture is just filled with so much for us today. So let's start in verse 5. And we're going to go to verse 17. Jesus says, I am the vine, you are the branches. If you remain in me and I in you, you will bear much fruit. Apart from me, you can do nothing. If you do not remain in me, you are like a branch that is thrown away and withers. Such branches are picked up, thrown into the fire and burned. If you remain in me and my words remain in you... Ask whatever you wish, and it will be done for you. This is to my Father's glory that you bear much fruit, showing yourselves to be my disciples. As the Father has loved me, so, I have, so I, have I loved you. Now remain in my love. If you keep my commands, you will remain in my love, just as I have kept my Father's commands and remain in his love. I have told you this so that my joy may be in you and that your joy may be complete. My command is this, love each other as I have loved you. Greater love has no one than this, to lay down one's life for one's friends. And you are my friends if you do what I command. I no longer call you servants because a servant does not know his master's business. Instead, I have called you friends. For everything that I learned from my Father, I have made known to you. You did not choose me, but I chose you and appointed you so that you might go and bear fruit, fruit that will last, and so that whatever you ask in my name, the Father will give you. This is my command, love each other. Man, that's good, huh? And that, that's, that's the good word of God. And can you see so much of what we've spoken about over these last several weeks really is encapsulated in this portion of Scripture? Uh, and so out of that and some other verses to pull alongside, what I want to do is just simply uh, look at seven ways to abide in the vine. And that's really just another way to say seven ways to live a God encounter life, seven ways to live a God-breathed life. 
Amen. Amen. And, and keep in mind as you hear these, this is definitely one of those times where, you, you know, uh, it could be very possible for, for most of us, we say, well, well I know that. But, you, you know, the, the comparison I would make is, you know, somebody who's being given instructions on how to work a parachute, that, that's really not all that relevant unless you're getting ready to jump out of an airplane. Right? If I'm driving down the road to work and I'm thinking about, you know, I got this deadline and this situation going on and I got to talk to this person and, and the guy on, on the podcast is saying, let me talk to you about how to uh, open a parachute correctly. I could care less about that, right? You know, but if I'm standing in an airplane, which I don't know why anybody would jump out of a perfectly good airplane, but if I was going to do that... I'm not. I, I would definitely say I'm all ears. I want to hear all about this. You know, when we talk, really, what is it to be a disciple, a, a follower of Christ? It is to live abiding in the vine. It is to live a God-breathed life. So this is parachute training for those about to jump out of the airplane. This is essential listening. It's not so much that I say, well, I already know what a cord is. It's Am I prepared to pull the cord when I need to? Amen. Everybody getting the picture? So it's not so much, have I heard this before? It's, am, is this vital experience in my life today? Can you say amen? amen? All right. So number one, always see your Christianity as a relationship and not a religion. I talked about this on Wednesday. We had uh, awesome water baptisms that we celebrated on Wednesday. And then I spoke for a few minutes on being a genuine disciple. And, you, you know, this, this picture of relationship, not religion, just to clarify that for anybody who might be unfamiliar, you know, we can get around church, we can talk churchy, we can know who Jesus is, even to the point of being able to get an A on any Bible test or theology test that might come our way. But as my uh, friend who was a children's pastor would tell the kids oftentimes, you know, going to church doesn't make you a Christian, just like going to McDonald's doesn't make you a cheeseburger. Right? You know, so it's, it's you know, all of the, the form, you know, stuff on my calendar and observances that I do and external beliefs, that's religion. But the Lord has made it clear in his word that, that Christianity, uh, as our faith, it is a relationship. The gospel message is that God wanted us to be restored back to right relationship with him. And how many know when I stop prioritizing, when I stop living in light of this is a relationship with almighty God, then by fault I'm starting to slip into religion. And we know everything that we read when Jesus was walking the earth in the Gospels and he encountered the religious people, one of two things happened. The religious people found a relationship with God or religious people chose to stay religious and they rejected God. So, so it's so important for us to start at that place. If I want to abide in the vine, it's got to be all about do I know him? And am I, am I uh, not settling for anything less than living in a place where I continue to know him more? John 17, verses 2 and 3 says, For you granted him authority over all people that he might give eternal life to all those you have given him. 
Now this is eternal life, that they know you, the one true God and Jesus Christ whom you have sent. So, you know, when we think of religion, we think of observances. When we think of relationship, well, I know for me, one picture that I think, think of when I think of relationship is I think of a garden. You know, uh, as a matter of fact, that's a picture I use a lot of times in our pre-marriage discipleship, you know, is that relationships are like gardens. If you neglect the garden, you're not going to get fruit out of it, right? What's been planted in the garden is going to get choked out, is going to, because of neglect, it's going to wind up dying. But you know what? A garden that's given proper attention with the right sunlight and the right watering, and the right nutrients, and the care to make sure that the weeds are all pulled out, then you have this beautiful garden that bears a lot of fruit, right? So so this picture of relationship, but it's not just any relationship. It's not a pal. It's not a buddy. It's our king, and it's our master, and it's our God. And yet mind-blowing to know that he says, you know what, and although I'm your king, although I'm your Lord, although I'm your master, the Lord says to us, he says, but I don't uh, call you servants, I call you friends, because you know my heart, because you know my will, because you know me. So, so that's the starting point for us. That's where we want to be anchored down in this. Now, the, the second uh, thing that we can look at here today that will help us stay abiding in the vine is that we commune with him through prayer and worship. And again, that's, that's one of those that might, might sound very elementary, but come on, can, can we admit that when we start feeling distance from God, probably we have not kept our ear turned toward him. And we've not engaged him. Right. We, we, we could talk for, for years about prayer and what is prayer, but in its simplest form, right? Prayer is God talking to us and us talking to God. It's, it's two-way conversation and interaction with him. And although we could say that worship is prayer, uh, I separated that out for us to understand that, you know, prayer of petition and prayer of need and prayer of burden uh, shouldn't be the entirety of our communion with him. But it should be, uh, just as we wonderfully sang this morning, right? You are worthy. Lord, regardless of what the answer is, regardless of whether it's the blessings time or the breaking time, you are worthy. Just, just a life surrendered to minister to him, right? So ongoing communion, recognizing that it's relationship. These are things that are going to keep us abiding in the vine. And, and a, a verse that just encapsulates, you know, this picture. See, if, if prayer is only something that we're doing when we're doing something else, there's an opportunity for us to get a time set aside with him, undivided, where we just talk with our Lord. Come on, can you say amen? Amen. Yet, uh, you know, with that, just that time of talking with him, it shouldn't be compartmentalized down to that. It should be that out of a private, personal conversation with the Lord, we really carry an attitude of prayer in all that we do all day long. Amen? And Ephesians 6.18 says, and pray in the Spirit. When? On all occasions. With what kind of prayer? With all kinds of prayer and requests. 
With this in mind, be alert and always keep on praying for all the Lord's people. So it's not an either or, it's, it's, it's that lifestyle of prayer. It's not getting time alone and praying vain repetitions or praying out of a place of works per se, that kind of a thing. But it's the idea of understanding this is a relationship. And out of this relationship, there should be some point in my day where I give him my undivided attention. Come on, can you say amen? All right. Number three. Feed on the Word of God. Now notice we didn't say read the Word of God uh, or study the Word of God, which I would say let's read, let's study, let's meditate. If you like coffee like me, let's percolate, let's, let's brew in the, the Word of God. Uh, but, but the idea of feeding on it is so much more than just a casual reading. And, and James 1, 21 to 23 uh, reminds us that it's not just hearing it, but it's then what do we do with what we hear, right? It says, therefore, get rid of all moral filth and the evil that is so prevalent and humbly accept the word planted in you, which can save you. So there's so much even just in that, but right, the word plants in our hearts and and we need to humbly accept that word. What does it mean to accept it? Well, verse 22 says, don't merely listen to the word and so deceive yourselves, do what it says. Anyone who listens to the word but does not do what it says is like someone who looks at his face in a mirror and it goes on to say and and forgets, you you know, what he saw there. So so, uh, you have this in your notes. It's it's reading, it's studying, it's meditating, it's all of that. It's reflecting, reflecting on the word. It's assessing. So let me make some assessment. What What does this mean Without I've just this truth of God's word, what does this mean for me, for my life, for the world that I live in? And then it's application. How does this apply to me? What am I supposed to do with it? And then doing, actually doing what the word says. And, and uh, y- you know, in, in the aviation world, they, they would say when you're navigating, following your map, uh, following the chart, that it's far better to make small corrections sooner rather than having to make big corrections later, right? So the idea is that you're watching as you go because just a small deviation off course, if there's not small corrections being made sooner, the, the longer you travel, the more off course that you are. So smaller corrections sooner. And th- this relates to the Bible challenge that we've issued for this year uh, for our church family. We've said, let's take up the challenge where the goal is to try to be in the Word every day. And if we're not in the Word every day, then at least we're in the Word regularly enough. And if you were here on that day where we launched all this, you know, there's actually empirical study uh, where they call it the power of four, where they say, man, as people have shared their lives and fruit in the Lord, those that have made the word of God something they, they feed on uh, enough in their week to where it's at least four out of seven days, there's a tipping point because it starts to wash over their mind and their lifestyle. You know, I'm not one for formulas. I don't want to suggest, you know, well, if I just put on the calendar and I check off a box and and read the word four times, that something, you know, magically is going to happen and now I'm super spiritual. But the idea is if we will prioritize feeding on the word of God with great regularity in our encounter with God through his word, 
our lives are going to continue to change and look more like him. Amen? Amen. So I want to encourage you to keep on keeping on. I mean, this is the end of February. As far as New Year's goals and resolutions, we're in no man's land. But we don't want to do New Year's goals and resolutions. We want to abide in the vine. You know, which means we want to change the way we're living. And, you know, it's interesting. There was a book written uh, somewhere in the last bunch of years here, handful of years, uh, that uh, I think it's called The Power of Habit. And just a, a small thing he said that, you know, we all have habits in our lives, but we have certain ones that we would call keystone habits. In other words, that one habit seems to leverage all these other areas in our lives. And, and I would certainly say, being a person that feeds on the Word of God, that that's a keystone habit. That, in time in prayer, is going to leverage pretty much every other habit in every other area of our lives. Come on, can you say amen? All right, so we're going to keep on keeping on with our uh, time in the Word and let that become lifelong habit. All right, number four here uh, is keep a clear vision for your life. So I know we spoke quite a bit about vision, uh, you, you know, early on, but I'm talking about as far as abiding in the vine goes, you know, as we are in the Word, as we are in fellowship with the Lord, as we remember it is a relationship, not just this external, you know, uh, set of practices that we follow then there's a vision for our lives, a God-given vision. Comes out of his word, also comes out of what he's speaking to us uniquely and individually. And we know we're warned in Proverbs where there is no vision, that is, no revelation of God and his word. The people are unrestrained, but happy and blessed is he who keeps the law of God. So, you know, we're exhorted in the word that when it comes to our eyes, to keep our eyes on things above. When it comes to our minds, to keep our thoughts on things above. Because that begins to shape our vision. Now we see all of this stuff that we see going on in our world, but now we see it through a different lens. Right? And now we can see it through that I walk by faith and not by sight perspective because our minds and our thoughts are set on things above and we have a vision for our world that starts to shuffle what's important, what's not important and helps us stay in this place of abiding in him. Amen. Number five uh, for us to stay abiding in the vine is we prioritize love toward God and people. Amen. And, and two big ways that we can share love with the world around us. So, so first one, sharing him with others. Amen. Amen. It was just looking for those opportunities to share him and his love uh, with the world around us. And then second is serving others. Two big areas where, where we can stay abiding in him is to just... Uh, just look for those opportunities to be serving other people. All right, number six, obey the Lord's leading. So this goes back to being a doer of the word, yes, but, but it's even beyond that. To obey the Lord's leading uh, is to be quick to listen to the voice of his Holy Spirit in the day-to-day -day of our lives. How many would agree God is talking to us all day long? 
You know, we, we hear Holy Spirit just sharing all day long, but it's, it's whether or not we're, we're actually aware of what he's saying. So a couple of thoughts on obeying the Lord's leading. It requires reverence and fear of the Lord. Amen. And fear, we mean a, a, a healthy sense of awe as we come before him, right? So I'll obey his leading. I'll trust him and I'll trust his direction when I have a, a reverence. I'll be leaning in to listen through the noise to what he's saying uh, when there is a reverence and fear of the Lord. And then also it requires a brokenness and a lifestyle of repentance or uh, the way it's worded in your notes, brokenness and lifestyle repentance. You know, that's staying in a place. The word repentance uh, it, sometimes we say, what is repentance? Well, it's, it's being sorry. You know, well, I sinned and I repented. I sinned and I was sorry. But actually, repentance biblically means to change our mind and to get into agreement with God. Now, because our hearts are soft toward him, if we've sinned against him, there's going to be a sorrow, right? A godly sorrow. But actually, it tells us in the word, there's a godly sorrow that leads to repentance, which is the change of mind and direction that we walk in. So a brokenness means that we're soft for God to be able to speak and, and work in our lives. And a lifestyle of repentance well, it goes back to uh, when we read in uh, Ephesians 6.18 to pray always. The prayer of repentance, the prayer of confession, you know, just on a regular basis. Basically saying uh, that we keep our sin account short. Goes back to small corrections sooner so there doesn't have to be big corrections later. Amen. Amen, right? It tells us in Scripture there's a principle. Most people, you know, it's, it's not, um, you, you know, when, when life implodes, it's not that somebody just randomly out of the blue said, I think I'll wreck my life or I think I'll shipwreck now. Or see those rocks? I think I'll just steer right into them, right? That's not how it works. It's usually the little foxes that are not given the attention. And then the little foxes get bigger and bigger until there's giants in the land. That's why abiding in the vine to see it's a relationship and to have regular communion in prayer and in worship and to have fresh vision and to feed on his word and to be quick to obey. All these things work together to where we are staying in a place of fellowship with him. Amen. So uh, reverence and fear of the Lord and a brokenness and a lifestyle of repentance. And then number seven uh, is we walk after the Spirit. And again, I've, I've quoted a couple of times from Galatians. Uh, I'm sorry. No, I haven't. I've quoted from the Amplified. Now we're going to quote from Galatians. But the Amplified is so good. Uh, is, this says uh, 516, but I say walk and live habitually in the Holy Spirit that is responsive to and controlled and guided by the Spirit, and then you will certainly not gratify the cravings and desires of the flesh of human nature without God. So we get this picture here that's really describing what we just unpacked in these first six points here. If we walk and live with habit in the Holy Spirit, which means we're responsive to and controlled by him and guided by him, then we will not gratify the cravings and desires of the flesh like those that don't know God do, and we will stay in fellowship and we'll stay abiding in the vine. Can you say amen? All right, uh, four big obstacles 
uh, to living God-breathed. So uh, these, these are not in a particular order, just kind of giving us some of the four biggies that we want to keep on the radar, you know, to watch out for as we stay faithful to the Lord. So number one, uh, loss of vision. So we already talked quite a bit about that, but we know without vision, people perish, people cast off restraint, we let go of following the commands. So losing vision, losing God's perspective. We have to be so careful. Sometimes circumstances will come down the road and we'll say, I don't understand these circumstances. That is where it is so important, church family, to go back and once again say, I'm not moved by what I see. I'm not moved by what I feel, but I'm moved by God and his word, who he said he is and what he said he promised. And that keeps our vision to where we're running after him. And then we won't uh, get shipwrecked or sidelined. We won't uh, perish. Okay, number two, four big obstacles to living God breathe. Number two is just simply sin. Unchecked, unrepentant sin in our lives breaks our fellowship with the Lord. God can't fellowship with sin. Thank God he says uh, in First John, if we confess our sin, he is faithful and just to forgive us and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. Number three is distraction. And again, in our generation, you know, I'm sure each generation had their areas where they had to be very mindful, you know, uh, challenges unique to the generation. I think there's a challenge that's unique to this generation. By the way, it's also something that the Word of God tells us will be a big red flag saying, last days, last days, last days, and it's, it's all of the knowledge and information that is now at our fingertips, right? And it tells us in Daniel, you know, that in, in the last days, knowledge will exponentially increase. But here's the problem with it. You know, if we're not picking and choosing, we could just be so distracted by all of the information that's trying to come our way. I mean, re realistically, I mean, it just, there's just, there's a channel for everything, you know, and if not, then we can find it on YouTube for any topic anywhere. The problem is that we all aren't meant to know everything about everything, right? If we do, then when it comes to living for God, we'll do a whole lot of nothing for him, right? So we need to know what is of God, what's not of God. Uh, they, they have said in the natural world that there's the battle of doing what's good, doing what's better, and doing what's best. So even in the most wholesome picture that we could paint here, if, if we are just doing good things and not the best things, then we're missing out ultimately on God's best for us, all right? So looking at what could be distractions for us and then moving appropriately. And then number four is weights, dealing with uh, whatever would be a weight in our lives. And again, I'm going to go back to the Amplified because it's just so good. Uh, Hebrews 12.1 says, Therefore then, since we are surrounded by so great a cloud of witnesses who have borne testimony to the truth, let us strip off and throw aside every encumbrance that is unnecessary weight and that sin which so readily, deftly, and cleverly clings to and entangles us and let us run with patient endurance and steady and active persistence the appointed course 
of the race that is set before us. You know, while I was preparing, I, I found myself kind of stuck over on that picture of patient endurance and steady and active persistence. Endurance, persistence. Those words are so, like, so similar, aren't they? But, you know, when we think of endurance, I, I don't know, I was trying to, trying to weigh, I was even, you know, doing some dictionary definitions and stuff, you know. When you think of endurance, it's you're on the track, you're running the race, and you don't stop. You just keep going because you have endurance. And then when I think of the persistence, I think about that in the face of I'm pushing through against the things that, that need to be broken through. Persistence, I'm just going to keep at it and I'm not going to give up. It kind of, two sides of the same coin there, but ultimately for running this race, that means we got to lay aside the weights and the sins that would so easily try to beset us. Can you say amen? amen. So hey, Coming in for a landing here, wrapping up this series, but hopefully we'll continue to keep this theme in mind because just like last year when we focused on purpose, that was a theme for the year, but the idea was for that to become part of the landscape per, uh, permanently, that we live with purpose, live with God purpose until we see him face to face. That would be our encouragement for this year too, that we would live God-breathed, those that have encountered God and those that live in encounter with God so that the world around us can see him in us. Amen? Amen. Amen. Why don't you stand, if you can, and let's close in prayer. Bless you, Lord. Thank you, God. Bless you, Lord. I'm looking at the clock, and although I'm not on time, I'm the most on time that I've been in a year. Yeah, amen. <laughs> and I want you to know, with first service, we had one minute to spare. Hallelujah. Pastor Ralphie said he looked up to see if Jesus was coming back. I don't know what he meant by that. Amen. Amen. Let's pray. Father, we, we do just around this room, watching online, Lord, right where we are, we say we make an altar to lay ourselves down before you. Lord, truly, we don't want to be religious people. We want to be people of relationship with you. That people would take note that we've been with Jesus. And we want to be those, Lord, we recognize that part of growing up spiritually, there's being all in and then there's, there's just that maturing process where maybe we've been back and forth. Lord, we want to be those that abide, those that are planted, those that bear fruit, eternal fruit, and so we heed your word today that if we love you, we'll obey your commands, that we will love one another, that we will love you. And Lord, that in the busyness of this modern culture, we will not let distraction and busyness become excuse or reason for not being people who 
nurture that garden of fellowship with you. Lord, that we will give priority, that we will pull out the weeds. Lord, that we'll make sure the right stuff gets planted, that we'll be people of your word. So God, around the room, all of us here, we just, just say that we're all yours. We make it a fresh profession of our faith that Jesus, you are Lord and Savior of all that we are. And so, Lord, in these days to come, it, through, through the rest of this 2024, Lord, we know that for so many, it's been frontline battle from out of the gate. Lord, may each of us be those that thrive. Lord, even as we sung this morning, whether in the blessing or in the breaking, may we live inspired. May we be lifting a song to you because you are worthy. So, Lord, we say that we're yours. The remainder of this year is yours. Have your way. We're asking one more time, and we know we're going to continue to pursue. Let our lives draw others to you. May our lives and the way we authentically live for you, humbly, reverent, fearing God, growing, Lord, may it bring the best out of those around us. So, Lord, all of this we pray, just this, this prayer of dedication to you, all of it's in Jesus' mighty name that we pray. All God's people said.